All right, my fellow women's football fans, we're back with another episode. I'm Bryce, and this is the Women's Soccer slash Football Podcast, where we talk all about the world of women's football and all the cool stuff going in on it. And we've got another good show for you here today. We're transitioning between the first She Believes Cup match against Canada and also the second match, which is going to be against Brazil. The She Believes Cup is underway, which is super, super exciting. Guys, it's an honor and privilege to have you join me here today. If you like what you're hearing and seeing, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep up on all of the women's soccer news that you can handle. And we're also on audio platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the like. We're also on TikTok and Instagram if you're into that kind of thing too. So I will link all those down in the description below for your viewing pleasure. Uh, yeah, we've, we've got the tournament is now one day in. Brazil and Argentina played against each other. That was a pretty good match. I was able to watch most of it. And then Canada and USA played against each other, which USA came out victorious. Hooray, hooray for all of us US Women's National Team fans. That was a really, really interesting match. It did not go the way that I thought it was going to go or that anybody thought it was going to go, but I kind of like that sometimes because just utter domination all the time is no fun. But before we get into all of that, I want to catch you guys up with some of our segments for the podcast. For those of you who are newer to the podcast, I start off this show by giving you some quick segments just to kind of outline what's going on in the entire world of women's soccer. And then I get into some main topics where we take a deeper dive into some analytical things so let's get in get into it let's get into the first segment which is just going to be some scores from around the international break i'm just going to give a couple here uh the netherlands took on belgium in an international friendly over in europe the netherlands dominated in this one by a scoreline of six to one which uh netherlands handled belgium pretty well in that match you could say six one that's no small victory the lone goal for Belgium was scored by Marie Miniart, the 20-year-old, in the 62nd minute, and that's all that Belgium could muster up for that game. On the flip side of the coin, the Netherlands started off their scoring in the 33rd minute with Vivian Miedema, who currently plays for Arsenal FC in the English Women's Super League. Followed that up by Jill Roard in the 54th minute, who also, also plays for Arsenal. She is Viv's teammate for both club and country. She scored in the 54th minute. Then Stephanie van der Gracht of Ajax scored in the 64th minute, so just about 10 minutes later. And then followed up just three minutes later with Lika Martins of FC Barcelona scoring in the 67th minute. Then Daniel van der Donk of Arsenal scoring 15 minutes later in the 81st minute, if my math is right. And then Renata Johnson finishing off the score, or Jansen, I'm sorry, Renata Jansen finishing off the game in the 90th minute who she currently plays for FC20. So it was a really good day for Netherlands. A few other stars who play for Arsenal, um, or for those of you who follow my content closely, you'll know that Arsenal has not been in the greatest of spirits lately. They've been losing a lot of games. They've been having a lot of games postponed. They're falling out of Champions League favor. And for some of their star players like Viv Miedema, Jill Roard, and Daniel van der Donk to all score in this friendly and get a little bit of confidence, it's just always nice to see when players can kind of come out of that bubble. So... Really cool, really nice for them to get away from the club and start scoring some goals for country. So that ought to lift their spirits. I'm curious to see how that will impact their play when they return to the WSL, I believe, next weekend. So with the first segment down out of the way, let's get into the second segment, which is just going to be catching you up on the She Believes Cup results and what the current state of the table is. So for those of you who are watching, match day one is now complete in the She Believes Cup. 
Brazil and Argentina took on each other on Wednesday, February 18th, right before USA took on Canada. Brazil won this one by a scoreline of 4-1. to one. Who all scored for Brazil, you might be wondering. Marta scored in the 30th minute. She currently plays for the Orlando Pride of the NWSL. Then the second goal of the game came from Dabinia in the 47th minute. She currently plays for the North Carolina Courage, the powerhouse team that they are or might not be for this season coming up. And then... Oh, there we go. There's my notes. Um, the third goal of the game came from Adriana Leal da Silva, who currently plays for Sport Club Corinthians Paulista. I believe they are of the Brazilian League. And the last goal from Brazil came from Gaisa Ferreira in the 82nd minute, who currently plays for Madrid CFF. Then the lone goal came from Argentina. Mariana Lerocut, who was signed by FC Kansas City in the summer of 2020. She scored in the 60th minute. Way to represent for the NWL and for country, Miss Laroquette. So, uh, overall impressions of the Mets, mostly offensive, which I'm not surprised. These are both attack-minded teams. The difference between the two of them is that Brazil was just straight up the better team. They took their chances, and I think they're the more talented of the two sides. I would argue Brazil's probably one of the more talented sides in the world of women's football in general. Argentina's severely lacking in that particular um, area of the game as of right now. So it was no surprise to me that Brazil came away victorious with a 4-1 to win. The second match of that day came with the United States and Canada playing off against each other. The United States managed to pull away with a win by a scoreline of 1-0. Rose Lavelle scored the lone goal in the 79th minute off of a set piece from Kristen Press, but we'll get into that deeper in the main topics. So with those two results, here is how the table is currently shaping up. Brazil is currently in first place with three points. They are ahead of the United States on goal difference. In second, the U.S. also have three points, but only have a goal difference of plus one, while Brazil have a goal difference of plus three, so that explains that. In third, we've got Canada with no points, with a negative one goal difference. And then in last, we have Argentina with no points and minus three goal difference. So that's just how the table is shaping up after the first match day results. There are two match days left in the tournament. Match day two begins tomorrow, Sunday, February 21st. The first match is going to be the U.S. facing off against Brazil. And the second match is going to be Argentina taking on Canada, both of which you can watch on FS1 or FS2, or I believe the TUDN app. And any other networks you're interested in, feel free to check out U.S. Soccer's website. Then to complete play, the third match day is going to be taking place on Wednesday, February 24th. The Brazil and Canada teams will take each other on in the first match, and then the tournament will end with U.S. taking on Argentina. So who knows who will emerge victorious. I can't wait to find out. And stay tuned. All right, so that's just catching up on the current state of the She Believes Cup results in the current table. Let's get into the third segment, which is just going to be setting the scene a little bit to help to provide a little bit of context to the content I'm giving you guys in these episodes. I like to set the scene of the date, the time, where I'm at, what I'm doing, especially for those of you who are listening on audio right now and can't see my surroundings. It's always fun to kind of just paint the picture a little bit as it were. So it is Saturday, February 20th at 9.12 a.m. Normally, I like to give you guys two episodes a week, one on Thursday, one on Sunday. But with the She Believes Cup uh, and the fixtures taking place, I wanted to put this episode out soon enough so that you could absorb everything from the last match and also gear up for the match against Brazil that's going to go on tomorrow. So there's that. 
Uh, it's still cold here in the Midwest. It hasn't snowed anymore. Thank God I should knock on wood because 20 inches in a week is just too much. I'm currently staring at the 96 packets of hot chocolate that I bought from Amazon. Thank goodness for Amazon. I love Amazon. Uh, I'm like eight into them so far. So I've had like a whole pack in like three days. It's wonderful. It's so good. Swiss mess. You can't go wrong with that guys. And, uh, there's nothing else really to note in my surroundings other than there's guardians in the galaxy volume two playing in the background. So there's that as well. So that does it for the third segment guys. That's just what my surroundings kind of look like in the state of the podcast right now. Let's get into the fourth and final segment before we start. Chunking into our main topics, which is going to be my new favorite segment, the moment of silence. This is the moment in which I like to dedicate one thing in the world of women's soccer between episodes that I just appreciate, love, like seeing in the game, whatever it might be. I dedicate this moment to that, and I invite you to dedicate the moment of silence to something that is on your mind for today, especially in the world of Woso. So for this week, this moment of silence is going to be dedicated to one of the world's best midfielders. I'll start giving you a hint. She plays for the United States Women's National Team. She's a central midfielder, not a holding midfielder. She has a cow named after her, named Rose Cowbell. That's right. This moment of silence is dedicated to Rose Lavelle. And if you're surprised that she has a cow named after her, I was to F- forward Madison of the USL League One is a team that plays in the same city in which Rose went to college, which is Madison, Wisconsin, and they have a cow named Lionel Bessie who gave birth to Rose Cowbell, which is the cow that is named after Rose. So, well, that's crazy. I hope you learned a new fun fact with that one today. But the main reason why I am giving Rose Lavelle my moment of silence today is because she scored the lone goal against Canada that the U.S. desperately needed in a time when they needed it most. And plus, ever since Rose Calbell was born, Rose Lavelle has scored in every U.S. Women's National Team match. There's a connection there. You can't convince me otherwise. So guys, on the count of three, I invite you to join me in this moment of silence. One, two, three. Salute. All right, guys. Who did you dedicate your moment of silence to? Feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know who you picked up. All right, guys, so that'll do it for the segments leading up to our main topics for this particular podcast episode. Let's start getting into the meat and potatoes of the episode, which is our main topics. It looks like we have got two of them today. Both of them are dedicated to the U.S. Women's National Team. Let's get into it. So the first main topic is going to be reflecting on the U.S. Women's National Team and Canada match. Uh, To catch you guys up to speed in case you haven't been able to watch the game, just a few highlights. Uh, Canada had a few chances throughout the match leading up to Rose Lavelle's goal. Janine Becky had two opportunities that were both saved. They were sitters, so I kind of feel bad for that she wasn't able to convert. And Nichelle Prince also had a couple opportunities that uh, she squandered. However, at the end of the day, Rose Lavelle came to fruition. She was subbed on in the second half and in the 79th minute. It crossed from Kristen Press on a set piece, deflected off a Canadian player, bounced to Rose Lavelle, and Rose Lavelle put it into the bottom right-hand corner of the net through traffic and scored and that was enough for the u.s to come away with the win in three points so the shot was low grounded and up at the back of that and that's all you need sometimes so that's just basically the main highlights of the game this was by and large not the most entertaining game to watch especially if um especially with the united states and the national team that we've become accustomed to but that like i said that happens sometimes variety is the spice of life and just sheer domination all the time is no fun 
what lineup did the United States end up using? They used a 4-3-3 with a holding midfielder per usual. Starting in goal was a listener. In the right back position, we had Midge Margaret Purse, who plays for Sky Blue FC. Then we had Abby Dahlkemper playing alongside her in the central defending position, who currently plays for Manchester City. Then alongside Abby, we had Captain America herself, Becky Sarboon, who plays for the Portland Thorns. Then on the left back position, we had Crystal Dunn, who also plays for the Portland Thorns, rounding off that defensive four. Then moving on up to the midfield, in holding midfield, we had the Honorable Juilliards, who plays for the Chicago Red Stars. Playing along to her left in the left central midfield position, we had Lindsey Horan, who also plays for the Portland Thorns. Seems like a lot of players from the U.S. play for Portland lately, but Lindsey Horan was on the left side of that midfield. Then on the right central midfield, we had Katarina Macario of Olympic Leonese making her start, which is really exciting to see. Macario is an up-and-coming talent. Can't wait to see what she does with her the rest of her career. Then moving on up to the forward line, in the left wing, we had Megan Rapino. In the striking position, we had Carly Lloyd, and on the right wing, we had Lynn Williams. There were six subs made throughout the game. They included Kristen Press, Alex Morgan, Rose Lavelle, Casey Kruger, Nee Short, Emily Sonnet, and Christy Mewis, if I'm not mistaken. So that was the lineup, and that those were the subs that were made. The subs made a big difference, so i got to give Vladko credit for that. Uh, Kristen Press got the assist, Rose Lavelle got the score, Christy Mewis passed out of her mind, in the 20 minutes that she was on the field. Maybe it was a little bit longer than 20 minutes. Maybe it was more like 30. Can't remember off the top of my head. But Christy Mewis, I thought, played another really good game. So she keeps keeping herself in the conversation for the Olympics. Can't wait to see how that goes down. What are my overall thoughts about the match? Just looking at it from the view of 10,000 feet. Overall, I think the game was lackluster. It was really aggressive, as most Canada-US matches are. Me personally, I underestimated, I underestimated Canada like tremendously. I thought that with seven players missing out on their roster, a lot of them starters, one of them being Christine Sinclair, the most prolific goal scorer in women's soccer history, I thought they would struggle a lot more than what they actually did. I would say their performance was tremendous, and I would actually say they deserved to come away with something, but at the end of the day, they didn't. I, I got to give them credit. They played really well. They just kind of squandered the chances that they had and when you play against really good teams like the U.S., you can't really do that. There were times when Canada was playing so well and snubbing out crosses that I kind of thought, it's as if they knew what the U.S.'s game plan was and they executed their tactics to counteract that to a T. It's like they knew what the U.S. was going to do before they even did it, which I thought was really, really impressive. Uh, oh, excuse me, guys. Um, I would say that they did... A good job at defending crosses in particular. The U.S. has proven to be a team that likes to get their outside backs wide and send in balls into the box while the wingers kind of sag in a little bit and are there for rebounds and for shooting opportunities. And then they feed the midfield and also the strikers like Carly Lloyd, Sam Mewis, Lindsey Horan, things like that. And the Canada did a good job of defending against that this game, I thought. On the flip side of the coin, everybody's got a bad day at the office, and this was definitely it for the U.S. Like I said, they had a lackluster performance. Very few convincing chances I would say a lot of the chances that they had were shot wide there was one chance in particular Carly Lloyd had and later on in the second half she received this beautiful ball I think it was from I want to say it was Lynn Williams but it definitely could have been Lindsay Horan too she got her head to it and just skied it she had an open header I was I was shocked that Carly Lloyd actually missed it like that was that was her bread and butter of a chance she loves to score with her head but um at the end of the day 
Uh, Canada probably could have won this game. They really could. I, if you told me by the end of the game that they won by a scoreline of 2-0, 2-1, um, I would not have been surprised at all. And I expect them to come out really strong against Argentina and win that game pretty easily. When they play Brazil, I think that's going to be one of the more interesting matches. I think the two most interesting matches, well, three, I'll say, were Canada-U.S., Brazil-U.S., and then Canada-Brazil. I think those three matches are going to be the three to watch moving on from this particular match in the tournament. At the end of the day, like I said earlier, Vladko makes some good adjustments in the second half, and the U.S. got the W despite Canada's brave and excellent performance. If you didn't, in case you didn't know, with this win, Vladko improves to 14-0-0, which is the best start to U.S. Women's National Team coach's tenure in history. So good on Vladko for doing that, the master tactician. I see he is something akin to Pep Guardiola in that he's the philosopher, as Zlatan Himovic has called Pep Guardiola in the past. And I will say this overall: uh, the sign of great teams is that when they have an off day and they could still win games. So for me, this was a good win for the U.S. That's the overall impressions I got from the match. I'm going to dig into more individual level performances and maybe how they just sort of affect the stock moving forward for the Olympics. Not really a whole ton of stock has changed since the entire team didn't really do all that well. So I'll just get that out right right away. Who was my woman of the match? Rose Lavelle. That's got to be it. That's got to be the one and only. She scored a very much needed goal for the U.S. as a sub. She came on and was the difference, and she was heavily involved in the play leading up to that, too. She got some balls into dangerous areas. She got one to Lynn Williams that caught my eye in particular. There's nothing really that she did that didn't go well, so I would say Roosevelt is my woman of the match for that goal in particular. Moving on to the other players, we'll go from the back of the formation to the front, starting with Alyssa Nair. What did Alyssa Nair do well? She came up with some big saves when they needed them most, I know I said that Nichelle Prince coughed up some chances. Janine Becky had a couple sitters. At the end of the day, Alyssa Nair saved both of those chances from Janine Becky, so some credit has to be due there. She kept them in the game because she could very easily have gotten nutmegged on those chances and let them go through. So I got to give Alyssa Nair some credit, even though they were sitters and Janine Becky should have scored. At the end of the day, Alyssa Nair still saved it, and she still did really well to keep the U.S. in the game. In addition to that, the U.S. played a lot out the back this game, meaning that the back line a lot of times would throw back passes to Alyssa Nair, and she handled all of them pretty well, so good on Alyssa Nair for doing that. I would say she's still my bona fide number one starter and best United States keeper that we have, so there's that. Moving on to the defensive line, we'll start with Midge Purse. What went well for Midge Purse today? She looked a lot more comfortable in the right-back position than she has in games previously, I think by nature, she's more suited to be a right winger. And I think Vladko's trying to utilize her in ways that she might not conventionally be used to. And it took her a few games to get used to that. Did she play amazing? Not, I would say not entirely. No, she looked a lot more comfortable. She was really good on the ball. She drew some fouls in some pretty dangerous areas and she defended adequately. She did her job well enough to help them win, but she didn't like play outstanding, I guess is the best way I can sum it up. What went wrong for Midge Purse? There were a couple times where I noticed she'd get kind of sucked into the middle of the pitch and it would give Janine Becky way too much room out wide, for example. And the first sitter that Janine Becky had, I know Nichelle Prince had a fortunate bounce that was blocked and it just fell to Janine Becky, but 
it, 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 you could tell Mitch Burst was like on top of Abby Dahlkemper a few times on a couple of chances that Canada had, and it was like, okay, you need to kind of get out a little bit wider there. I don't know if that's part of the U.S. game plan, but to me, it just seemed like she was a little out of position on a couple of those chances, and it really could have cost the U.S., so those are just my thoughts on that. And plus, she had a potential handball late in the game. I don't know how you guys feel about the two handballs that probably should have been called in this game, but there was one like in the third minute that Canada had bounced off her arm, probably should have been a penalty. But then later on, and that that one was at least questionable. But later on, it was in the it was later on in the game too. It was after Rose's goal. It was like the 86th minute. Mitch Purse got her arm like the ball literally hit her in the bicep, and her arms outstretched. And the referee didn't deem that a handball. I was kind of like, that's definitely a handball. Like even as a U.S. fan, I had to admit, I'm like, that is definitely a handball. But Neither here nor there. We walked away the benefactors of that, and I guess it, it's kind of evened out at the end of the day. They didn't get a handball called against them. We didn't get one get get called against us, so it, it evens out at the end of the day. But um, can't be making mistakes like that that late in the game with the stakes on the line. But that's just my thoughts on Mitch Purse. Does it help her stock for the Olympics? I don't think so. Does it hurt her stock for the Olympics? No, probably not. To be honest, I don't think... I believe, From what I've been hearing... Um, from what my friend Heidi has told me, that Kelly O'Hara, I believe, picked up an injury in uh, the warm-ups, and that's really the only reason why Mitch Purse started. We could be wrong on that, though. I haven't seen any confirmation on that. I know Heidi wasn't too quite sure. Shout-out to you, Heidi. Thank you for putting that on my radar. But anyways, moving on to Abby Dahlkemper. What went well for Abby today? She defended adequately. Um, I don't think Abby really stood out to me in this game. I didn't think she like performed out of her mind or anything like that. She had some really solid passing, I thought. Abby has turned into one of the better passing center backs that I've seen. Well, that's long balls, short balls. I, I think Abby's deadly in that particular facet of her game. What went wrong for her? Really not a ton. I don't think Abby was really a negative at all in this game. I just don't think she was a very big positive, if that makes sense. And honestly, the same can be really said for Becky, in my opinion. The Honorable Captain... America herself. Becky is the one of the best defenders in the world, if not the best defender, and she definitely showed it off in that match. She, I would say that was the best part of her performance was her defending. She was making tackles in important areas. She was facilitating play. A little bit of miscommunication between her and Crystal Dunn on Crystal's back pass that almost fell to a good Michelle Prince who almost scored, but they coped with it. They didn't score, so all is forgiven. Uh, that's a good segue, actually, to move on to Crystal Dunn's performances. What went well? Originally, I thought Crystal performed tremendously, and I still think she performed well, just not as well as I originally thought she did. She defended well. She got forward a ton. She had a million and one crosses. She was really good on the ball, too. She had one particular moment of brilliance in this game where she was cruising up the left wing. She took it from, I believe, their own half all the way into the attacking third. And... She had a couple good moves. She had a really good cross to Alex Morgan, and then Alex Morgan headed it wide. So I got to give credit to Crystal. Like, she is phenomenal in a lot of those forward areas. And I'd say she's probably one of the most complete players that the U.S. has besides Sam Mewis. So good honor because I thought she played very well. The only nitpick that I have with her is she had that faulty back pass to Nichelle Purse, which almost could have caused a goal. That was pretty bad. Like, I don't, I it, it's, it's, it's as if she was halfway between. Do I want to bomb this one to a listener for her to play out the back? Or do I want to kind of nudge it to Becky, who's in a little bit of traffic right now? And I think she just kind of kind of got caught in the middle of that. So that happens sometimes. That might be a bit of a nitpick, but that could have been really, really bad. 
Uh, moving on up to the midfield, Julie Ertz. What went well for Julie? She defends out of her mind as she does every game. She is consistent business as usual. She had some great crosses. She had one in particular to Lynn Williams. Lynn let it um, let it go, and it went to Lindsey Horan. I believe this is the moment when Lindsey Horan ricocheted that ball off the crossbar, which I could see it kind of shake and wobble. So when the second Lindsey wound up for that that shot, I was like, this ball is going to end up in the back of the net. And if it was two inches lower, it probably would have. But that just happens sometimes. What went wrong for Julie for that particular match? Some long passes felt a little short. Normally, normally her passes are a little higher. They're a little bit more lofted. But today, they just fell a little short at times. I know she might have held on to the ball in the midfield a couple times a little too long. I would notice that she'd get the ball from one of her teammates she'd uh, or she'd make a tackle. And then Nichelle Prince would kind of like sneak up behind her and steal the ball back, which... That, that's a nitpick. I, I recognize that that's a bit of a nitpick, and that's a little harsh, but it's just something I noticed about her play. The only reason I noticed it is because the U.S. likes to do it to their opposing teams. So, I mean, when the opposing teams do it to them, it's like that Michael Scott quote from The Office where he goes, oh, my, how the turntables. I don't know why it made me think of that, but there's that. Uh, Julia, it's still one of the best midfielders in the world, in my opinion. Moving on to Lindsey Horan. What went well for Lindsey today? I thought Lindsey passed out of her mind like I thought she had one of the best performances of this match every I mean she was doing fancy flicks she was doing outside of the foot passes she was doing long balls she was doing cross she was literally facilitating a lot of the attacking play for the U.S. the little that they had and it was it was impressive honestly she I thought she gave a pretty good performance and created a few chances she had that shot where she calmly coolly and collected herself let it take the bounce and nailed it right off the crossbar. If it, like I said, if that ball's two inches lower, she scores a goal for the U S and gives them something much needed. If she scores that goal, she's my woman. The match basically is what I'm trying to say. Um, she was, she maintains that enforcement like charisma in the midfield that we often see with Lindsay Horan. She's an enforcer. She doesn't let her or herself or her teammates get pushed around in the midfield by opposing teams. And it's really aggressive. And between her and Juilliard's doing that in the midfield, I think it's to the U.S.'s benefit. Plus, with Kelly O'Hare in the defensive line, you see that in multi-areas of the pitch, which is great. I think Lindsay Horan is a great complement to that. Having said that, what went wrong? I think she was a little too reckless at times. I think there was there's one moment in particular where I'm like, Lindsay definitely should have gotten a yellow card. It was when she wrapped her arms around one of the Canadian midfielders. I believe it was Quinn. But she like literally dragged her and like lifted her off the ground. And it was it was like... It was just like what, <laughs> and I, I'm just I'm just surprised that the referee didn't give a, a a minimum a yellow card there, like a red card. No, absolutely not a yellow though. I think she was deserving of that. So, got to be a little bit more careful than that in some cases. I think she got off easy on that, and she also, if you'll notice, when she got subbed off, this is the other thing that went wrong for Lindsay. When she got subbed off, there was blood pouring out of her nose. I don't know what happened to her. I don't know who she ran into. I don't know if it was a spontaneous nosebleed. If any of you know who drew blood or how she drew blood, please feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know how, because I, for the life of me, I watched the game twice, couldn't figure it out either time. So, if you feel if you feel like it, feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know. Um, how does this affect Lindsay Stock going for the Olympics? Um, she was going in the Olympics anyway, that hasn't changed for me. Uh, moving on to the last midfielder, Katerina Macario. What went well for Katerina Macario today? Um, she was solid on the ball. She had some fancy flicks. She was good in some tight spaces. She would win the ball. She would win the ball high up the field on occasion. I believe earlier on in the game, she won the ball on a tackle right outside the penalty area and got the ball to Carly Lloyd. I don't remember what the outcome of that was. Obviously, Carly didn't score, but 
She won the by the ball high up the field on occasion. Um, what went wrong for Katarina? She had a really quiet game. I thought Katarina Macario didn't play all that well. It's like if I had to give if I had to rate her performance on a scale of zero to ten, I would just say six. Like it was okay. Like it wasn't it wasn't a difference maker, but it didn't hurt the team either. So she just played okay, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. Does it affect her stock for the Olympics? I wouldn't read too much into this particular match. Like I said, the whole team didn't really play very well. And as I said earlier on, I don't think any of these players' Olympic stocks have really dropped because of this performance. Because like I said, they all played bad when everyone's playing bad. That's just kind of how the cookie crumbles. Uh, moving on to Megan Rapino. What went well for Megan? She had some excellent set-piece services, as she usually does. I think Megan Rapino is one of the best set-piece specialists in the world, if not the best. She's a masterclass free kick taker, and it obviously shows, and it showed in this game as well. There were a couple of occasions I noticed where she would get back deep to defend when they needed it most. There were a couple times where maybe she was lackadaisical, so that was a little inconsistent, at least in my mind it was, but what went that that's, I guess, a good segue into what went wrong for her. There's a couple instances where it's, it felt a little lackadaisical. Maybe I just didn't have the angles, and I was just reading too much into it. Um, she didn't really do a ton wrong in this game. She just didn't stand out. She just didn't stand out as, uh, as per status quo for Megan Rapino performances, but that's a nitpick. Let's move on to Carly Lloyd. What went well for Carly Lloyd? She got the ball to some dangerous areas. I thought she played a solid match. Um, she got a couple chances. She was where she's been shining really brightly for me lately is the high press. She has said, I believe on a couple of occasions, that she loves participating in that high press, and it turns out she's really good at it. Um, she really puts pressure on the goalkeeper, the other defenders in the back line for opposing teams, especially LeBay in this case. Um, her and Lynn Williams, I think, did a pretty good dynamic up top there, especially with Lynn's pace in that high press. It really helps when you've got two very aggressive players up top like that. Um, what went wrong for Carly Lloyd? I... <laughs> She bottled an open header, I'll just say it. She bottled the open header on the cross from Lynn Williams. Lynn Williams had an excellent um, assist opportunity to Carly Lloyd, and she just headed over the bar that happens. Um, I had another thought going into that. I said on the previous podcast in the U.S. Women's National Team Canada preview that I thought Carly Lloyd was going to score some time in this game, like around the 70th minute, I believe I thought was what I hypothesized, and it would have come true, but... I was definitive. I'm like, Carly Lloyd had so many chances against Columbia. Like, she's bound to get one and convert it this game. I was wrong. I was wrong. She did not end up converting the chances this game. But she'll get there. The team will get there. And they will persevere. Moving on to Lynn Williams. What went well for Lynn Williams? I think this is the best game she had in 2021, which um, she, she did it all. She had good crosses. She had good shots. She tested the keeper. She put pressure on Stephanie LeBay, the Canadian goalkeeper in the high press quite a few times and forced her to cough up the ball um, to areas where she might not have otherwise. She created some good chances. She had that high press. She had a really solid performance. I would say that this is like one of the players where it, it, it might have helped their Olympic stock a little bit. Is it the end-all, be-all, the big difference maker? Not really. I'm still not extremely high on Lynn Williams. I will say she led the United States in assists in the year of 2020, so there's that. But what went wrong for her? Not really a ton. Like I would say that out of all the players' performances, she had top five. Like, she was one of the better performances of this match. So, good on Lynn Williams. It's good to see her succeed. Uh, moving on to the subs then. As I said earlier, there were six subs. What went well and what went wrong for all of them? We'll start off with Christy Mewis. Christy Mewis 
the one thing that stood out for me was she had some phenomenal long balls in the short time that she was on the field. I Like I said earlier, I don't believe she was on the field longer than 20 minutes. She had a phenomenal long ball from the their own defending third all the way up the pitch to Alex Morgan. Alex Morgan coughed the ball up, of course, but earlier on, like just a few minutes before that, like Christy Mewis had a good ball. I forgot to who, I believe it was to Kristen Press who shot it wide, and then she had another brilliant long ball to Kristen Press down the right wing. So she was throwing dimes, basically, to a lot of her teammates in the attacking third. So good on Christy for that. She's performing consistently well in these matches, and I have to think that that helps her Olympic stock a little bit more. We'll have to see how it keeps going. There's plenty of time between now and the Olympics. If she keeps performing like this, who knows? She might even make the Olympic roster, um, especially with how consistently good she's been playing. It's been amazing. This is the year of Christy Mewis. Uh, moving on to Kristen Press. What went well for Kristen Press? What went wrong? We'll start off with what went well. She got the assist. Formally, I don't know if she got the assist. I'm no expert FIFA statistician, but in my mind, she got the assist because she was basically the only pass between her and Roosevelt scoring, but it deflected off of a Canadian defender. So technicalities come into play that I don't really know how that works, but I'm in my mind, she got the assist. She did really well in wide areas. I'm starting to... I was a bit skeptical earlier on in my content creating, making, where people were insistent that Kristen Press is by definition plays best on the wing the more and more i've been seeing kristen press play the more i'm like yeah she definitely should be on the wing if she's playing um i still contend she could be a center forward who plays more of a false nine role but that's a whole different story on another podcast episode that i did about a month ago feel free to check that out on my channel if you're curious but anyway she did really well in wide areas she was creative she had a chance and she i thought she played good for being a sub what went wrong? The one chance that she did had, I believe it came from Christy Mewis. She didn't convert it. She shot it wide left, which you're not going to take all your chances. But if she tested the keeper, that would just been nice. It would have turned this what went wrong into what went well. So there's that as well. Moving on to Alex Morgan. What went well for her? First off, I do want to say it was really awesome to actually see her get on the field and being able to play. I know with the last camp, she wasn't able to participate because she got COVID, which I'm glad she seems to have healed and recovered. She got a chance, but she unfortunately shot it wide. Um, what went wrong for Alex? She coughed up the ball a couple times in some vital areas. Like I said earlier, she received this beautiful long ball from Christy Mewis. She was one-on-one. -on -one. She had a ton of space. It was between her and the defender. And then as soon as she gets by that defender, all you need to do is beat LeBay. When you're as good as Alex Morgan is, when you get a pass like that and you have that chance, you can't just cough up the ball. Like If, if, if the defender in that situation made a good tackle, fine. But like Alex just gave up the ball like she just mishandled it and that happens these are these are humans you know it's like they, they're world class but it just happens it's just if i'm nitpicking that's just the one area that i would nitpick um moving on to emily sonnet and casey krueger if i'm being completely honest here the sample size for me in this game was too small i don't think they were really involved in enough play for me to make an accurate assessment of what went well and what went wrong for either of them i thought they did serviceably um, I know Emily Sonnet, Adriana Leone had a really nice move on Emily Sonnet. That's the only note I really remember. And I remember Casey being really aggressive. The one thing I will say for Casey, though, I was really pumped to see her get some minutes in this game. I believe she's come out and said publicly, maybe once from what I've been hearing, that she thought she's kind of out of the picture and that maybe her U.S. career was over, but not so fast. She gets the call up for the She Believes Cup and she got some hits. So really good on Casey Kruger for getting in some minutes. Really happy to see her succeed in that. But if uh, if I'm being honest, I can't. I don't believe I can really accurately assess their performances without a larger sample size. So there's that, guys. Um, 
wrapping up all of the individuals' performances, I'm just going to say this was a great test for the U.S., especially since they just played a Colombian team that wasn't very good. And it was really interesting to see them cope from playing a really bad team going to a really good team. And then before that, playing a really good team in the Netherlands, playing a bad team in Colombia, and then playing another good team in Canada. It was just really cool to see that transition and how they coped with it and what they can do for the next game when they play Brazil. Even the best teams, they have to learn to rise above their uh, adversity and learn to play really well and get results. They got the result in that match, and now they get to gear up for Brazil. I am really interested to see how Vladko adjusts some of the tactics for the match against Brazil, if at all. I think it, the match didn't really come down to him having poor tactics. I think it came down to the players just not performing as well as they normally would be. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, guys, so those are just my thoughts on the U.S. Women's National Team Canada match that took place on Wednesday, I think. No, I'm sorry, it was Thursday. It was. Um, what did you guys make of the match? Are there any players that stood out to you? Did it help their Olympic stock? Did you know about Rose Lavelle having a cow named after her? Whatever you thought about the match, feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know what you thought about it. All right, guys, so that'll do it for the first main topic. Let's get into the second main topic, which is just going to be the U.S. Women's National Team and Brazil match preview, and it was a perfect segue talking about Brazil getting into the second main topic. So, bam, awesome transition, guys. We did it. This is my most anticipated match of the tournament. This was the one match I was deeply, deeply looking forward to. If Canada didn't have so many players that were injured, I would have told you that the Canada-U.S. match was my most anticipated one, but with all the injuries and Brazil being as talented as they are, I would say that this is my most anticipated match of the tournament. I think it will be the toughest test that the U.S. has to face in the tournament. I mean, I will say that the U.S. has faced tougher tests throughout the year, especially against the Netherlands, and they passed those with flying colors. So who knows? We'll see how this goes, considering that they kind of dipped in form in this last game. Because like I said, Brazil's a powerhouse, and they should be a strong opponent to the U.S. And I think Brazil is going to kind of smell that blood in the water a little bit, as it were. Uh, and kind of pounce on that. So I think Vladko will have to prepare a little bit more tactically. I think Brazil's going to come out in this game aggressive, attack, 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 which is what Brazil's philosophy normally is anyway. And what makes this game really interesting, for those of you who don't know, the former United States Women's National Team coach dating all the way back to 2012 was Pia Sundhage. She left the U.S. and then Jill Ellis took over years ago. This was before even Vladko's time. And now she currently coaches for Brazil. So this is the first time she will be facing her former team as the coach of another international club. So this should be really interesting and exciting to watch. I was watching the Canada-Argentina, or not the Canada-Argentina game, the Brazil-Argentina game. And it was really interesting to see her in Brazil attire. It was like, what? But yeah, so that should be an, a little interesting footnote for that particular game. It'll be interesting to see how Vladko Andonovsky adjusts. Let's get into something really interesting. What is going to be my starting 11 prediction for this particular match? Well, I don't think it's going to change much, but let's go into it. Starting in goal, we'll have the Honorable Elissonaire of the Chicago Red Stars. On the left-back position, we will have the Honorable Crystal Dunn of Portland Thorns. Playing alongside, Crystal Dunn is going to be, oh, Captain, my Captain, Captain America herself, Becky Sauerbrunn of the Portland Thorns. Playing alongside Becky Sauerbrunn in that center-back duo is going to be Abby Dahlkemper of Manchester City who I think is the most underappreciated player on the U.S. national team. Love Abby Dahlkemper, love everything that she can do for the squad. In the right-back position, I've got Emily Sonnet starting out this game rather than Midge Purse. If what we were thinking earlier with Kelly O'Hara picking up the knock, and if Kelly isn't fit enough to play in this game, I will say Emily Sonnet will get the start. If Kelly is fit enough, O'Hara is going to get the start. We'll see. 
Moving on up to the midfield, we've got in the holding midfield spot, Julie Ertz of Chicago Red Stars. Playing alongside Julie on the left central midfield position is going to be Lindsey Horan of the Portland Thorns. Then on the right center midfield position, I've got Rose Lavelle making the start for this match rather than Katarina Macario in this particular case. Then moving on up to the forward line in the left wing, I've got Kristen Press making the start up there. I've got Alex Morgan starting out in the striking position, and then I've got Lynn Williams starting on the right wing. Um, who are my subs going to be? I think Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd, Katarina Macario, Christy Mewis, Casey Kruger, and Tierna Davidson will all be subbed on at some point or another. The biggest changes between the last game and this game in my in my predictions were that um, Kristen Press and Alex Morgan starting up top. I think it's kind of vital for them to start getting some really important minutes in those particular spots, especially leading up to the Olympics. I think Megan and Carly have played a ton in the last three or four games, and Kristen Press and Alex Morgan haven't had that same opportunity. And I think they're some of the more talented players in this roster. I would say Alex Morgan's a better striker than Carly Lloyd. I wouldn't say Kristen Press is a better winger than Mangarin Rapino yet, but she's getting close. So that's maybe a hot take, and maybe I should post that on a TikTok video. I'm going to write that down in my notes actually right now. But yeah, that's just my thoughts on the starting 11 prediction. Guys, who is going to be in your starting 11 for Brazil and the U.S.? Feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know who you think is going to get the starts. What is going to be my scoreline prediction for this particular game? I've got U.S. passing this test and winning this game by a scoreline of 2-1. to one. I think the U.S. is still the stronger of the teams despite how their last match went. Even if the U.S. had another poor day against Brazil tomorrow, I think they will still come away victorious. Because like I said, the best of teams in the world play and win even though they're not at their best. And the U.S. is the best team women's soccer team in the world, bar none, in my opinion. Um, having said that, Brazil's going to put up a really strong fight, I think, for this game. They're very attack-minded. Martin Dabinia is a very strong dynamic duo in their midfield, and they provide a lot of attacking prowess in that particular aspect. So they're going to put up a fight, and with they're going to smell that butt in the water with the U.S.'s small dip in form, so something to keep her eye on. Who do I think is going to score the two goals for the U.S.? I think Alex Morgan is going to get her first goal of 2021 in this game. I will say she'll get it right before halftime in the 44th minute. Off across from, we'll go with, hmm, we'll go with Crystal Dunn in this case. Um, and then I think Kristen Press is going to score the second goal for the U.S. in this game. She's going to score from outside the penalty, penalty area to mimic her magical goal that she scored in the 2020, she believes, Cup against England. However, we will have the unfortunate luck of not hearing Sebastian Salazar Say, Kristen Press, what have you done in getting us all hyped? I miss Sebastian Sales are commenting these games. He's so much fun. Him and Julie Foudy make a great pair. So, unfortunately, she's going to score. It's going to be a worldie, but Sebastian won't be there to commentate it. We salute you, Sebastian Sales are, by the way. Big fan. All right. And then at some point in the match between Kristen Press's goal and Alex Morgan's goal, I think Barta's going to come up with a Brazil equalizer. Marta is notorious for coming up big for Brazil, especially against the U.S. For those of you... Take a flashback with me to the 2012 London Olympics when she did so against the U.S. I believe she took the lead in that particular case. So it, it was a crazy moment. Please do yourself a favor and watch the highlights of the U.S. Women's National Team Brazil um, London Olympics match. I believe it was in the quarterfinals. You won't be disappointed. It's going to be amazing. But last prediction of the match, the U.S. is going to strike first in this particular match and give Brazil a run for their money. So, guys... Those are my thoughts, predictions, and match preview of the United States Women's National Team and Brazil match taking place tomorrow. 
Who do you think will emerge victorious? How do you think the game's going to go? Will Pia beat her former club? Will Vladko earn his first loss, his first draw? Whatever you think, feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know what you think. Guys, one last thing before we wrap up this podcast. I'm just going to say I think Canada's going to beat Argentina by scoreline of 3-1. to one. That's my score prediction for that. So, guys, with the second main topic down and out of the way, that will do it for this podcast episode. As always, it's an awesome honor and privilege to host you on this podcast. I greatly appreciate it. If you like what you're hearing and seeing, feel free to share this with your friends, subscribe, like, whatever you feel like doing. If you don't feel like doing any of that, I'm just glad you're here. That's fine, too. Um, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. I hope you get to enjoy the games tomorrow going down in the Sheba Leaves Cup. Until the next podcast episode, I've been Bryce. This has been the Women's Soccer Slash Football Podcast. And as always, have a great day.